the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to The Word to Stand On for Life. It's the Friday edition of the program, but this isn't an ordinary Friday edition. This is a very special program in honor of what we call Good Friday. Hi, I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And Good Friday wasn't very good, at least it wasn't as good as it could have been for the people in the world. It was the day that Jesus gave his life for the sins of the world. Now, the irony is that the very crowd of Jews who received him, at least it appeared they received him so wonderfully on the day that we call Palm Sunday, well, now they've rejected him. Now they've called out for his crucifixion. And this is the day that we celebrate because this is the day that Jesus gave his life for you and for me. Now, today, in honor of the radio station KSLR AM 630, the word shutting down, for Good Friday, what I want to do, what I hope to be able to do for you is to give you one of my messages that I did on a Good Friday not too long ago. We're going to be going to Luke chapter 23. We're going to start in verse 26. This message will take up the whole program. But what we want you to do is start thinking about this day, what it means for you, what Jesus did for you. And of course, I trust that you're going to Good Friday services tonight. We have a very special one here at Calvary Chapel at 7 o'clock. But wherever you're going to church, you go to Good Friday. Think about the holiness of this moment. You know, here at our Good Friday celebrations, we have people sort of entering into the sanctuary with the lights a little bit dim, not for emotional effect, but simply because we wanted to understand the seriousness. We ask people to come in quietly because there's going to be something happening here that is a little unique we have a big wooden cross set up at the front of the sanctuary and people will be lining up as early as 45 minutes before our doors open we'll give them a piece of paper with a pen and they can write down some things that they need to nail to the cross whether it's sin or temptation whether it's just some disobedience or maybe it's fear or any of the other things that Good Friday reminds us of and they stand in line, worship will be going in the sanctuary, and they'll come up, and during the entire time of worship, there will be the sound of nails being hammered into our cross. And we intentionally do that to remind people that this is the day that Jesus gave everything for us. The Bible says he endured the agony of the cross for the joy set before him. Well, brothers and sisters, you're that joy and I'm that joy. And what Jesus did for us, being forsaken by his Father for the very first time, by by taking the sin of the world on us, is more special than I can communicate. Good Friday is only good now. It wasn't good on that particular day. 
And so what we want you to do is we want you to be able to enjoy and to think about, prepare your heart for services tonight. Let me also say this, um, Easter, of course, is coming and is solemn and somber as Good Friday is. Sunday's coming. Resurrection Sunday. And I'd like to take these few minutes to invite you to join us at the Judson High School Performing Arts Center this Sunday, April 1st. At 8.30 and 10.45, we have two services. Invite unsaved family members or friends, unsaved neighbors or co-workers. People get saved at our Easter services. And we'd like for you to be a part of it. Cost nothing. Nobody's going to ask you for money. We just want you to come and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, Friday, as terrible as it was, there's always a Sunday. There's a great book by Ellen Redpath called Blessings Out of Buffetings. It's actually sort of a narrative on Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. But the title, Blessings Out of Buffetings, is important because it always means that out of the buffetings of life come blessing. Well, out of Jesus' wounds, out of Jesus' beatings, after them spitting in his face, after them sharing the laughter and mocking him, what Jesus did for us changed the history of the world. I know it changed my history, it changed my world. And I'm believing by faith that it's going to change your world as well. Approach this Friday night. Approach Sunday morning at Easter with a seriousness, with a level of faith that says, Lord, I want to be yours. And be the man or the woman that God can use to minister to others, to encourage others. Let the power of the Holy Spirit rest upon you and come from you. And if you'll do that, I promise you that God will use you. Well, thanks for tuning in today. This is a very, very special time. Luke chapter 23, I'm going to begin in verse 26. May the Lord bless you and keep you. I'll have a little bit more for you at the end of the message. Enjoy the message. God bless. We're going to read verses 26 through 29 together. I'm sorry, 26 through 49 together. And then uh, we're just going to kind of look at the cross from all different perspectives. Would you read along with me, please? Luke writes, as they led him, Jesus, away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children, for the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the barren women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if men do these things when the tree is green, in other words, when Jesus is there, what will happen when it's dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, where they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said he saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you're under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I will, or I tell you the truth today, you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour. 
that's noon, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. One of the other Gospels reports it said, Surely this was the Son of God. When all the people who had gathered to witness this light saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Father, tonight, of course, we're on holy ground. The world has called this day Good Friday. The result was wonderful, Lord. And I guess it's only good if you remember that while it's Friday, Sunday is coming. And on Sunday, we know there's going to be an empty tomb where your body, Lord, once lay. Lord, let us look at the cross. Tonight, we all have an equal opportunity to see Jesus. Tonight, as we look into his suffering and his death, we recognize that it was all for us. Jesus, as we realize that this is the hour that you spoke of throughout your whole ministry, let us be so grateful that we love you more, more than ever before. And I also pray, Father, that if there's even one among us in this meeting tonight, they don't know you if they're not born again, that this would be the night when their hearts are given over to you. Speak to our hearts and challenges. We pray all of these things for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I thought it was interesting as you're coming in and people are nailing their their burdens, their sins, whatever it is that's hindering their walk with the Lord on the cross. At some point it was necessary for Kevin to turn the cross around. And he was on one side of the cross and people on the other side were nailing it in. And on that side now he's looking at paper where normally he would just be looking at empty wood. But that's a different perspective altogether. And tonight's study is all about the different perspectives of the cross. We look at the same cross. We realize that the same result is available to all of us, and yet we look at it so differently. Several years ago, and I don't remember how many, there was a movie out called Vantage Point. I couldn't see it, I think because it took the Lord's name in vain or it was rated R, one of those. But it's the kind of movie, it was about assassination and witnesses and different points of view that they had. And it's the kind of movie that I would enjoy going to. Had all of the thriller stuff in it, and I thought, oh, that would be great. Checked it out, I couldn't see it, and I thought, oh, see, that's what's wrong with this world. But you had different witnesses standing in different positions from different angles, looking at exactly the same crime, And they all had different reports. You see, your perspective depends a lot on where you're standing and the condition of your heart, where you're standing. Tonight, we're going to look at a bunch of people who all had different perspectives. The first tonight is a man named Simon from Cyrene. Cyrene is modern-day Libya. He lived on the north coast of Africa, meaning Simon was an African man a convert to Judaism who had come the long distance for his very first Passover. His very first Passover. Here was a man who would have gotten into Jerusalem so excited, it would have been the trip of a lifetime. And he's in Jerusalem and he hears about all of the talk, you know, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming. He must have thought he hit the jackpot. My first Passover and this is the one, the Messiah, the Christ is coming On that first Sunday, the Sunday we just studied, the one that we call Palm Sunday, when Jesus rode in and he would have seen the throngs of people. He would have heard the shouts, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Simon couldn't believe his good fortune. His timing was perfect. The crowds were excited. 
and he was going to see the man. The crowds would kind of push him away. And at some point, Jesus and his procession, Jesus and his disciples would have come across that place where Simon was standing. And Simon would have thought, this is the very moment that I was waiting for. This is what I'd been hoping for. And here he is. And as each day went on, Simon would hear more and more conversation. Jews arguing, is he or isn't he the Christ? We don't want him to be. We want him to be. You saw the miracles that he was doing. And Simon would grow a little bit confused. He would think, how could this not be the greatest time ever for any of these people? And yet the people seem almost like they're angry. And it would all culminate on the very day that we're studying. And by now, Simon would be confused. He would hear people sneering at Jesus. He would hear the insults, the mocking. And suddenly, in the middle of the parade route, he sees a man fall on the ground right in front of his feet, the place where he was standing. And he would feel a Roman spear thrust at his side ordering him to help this man to pick up the cross. And he would look into the face of Jesus. The first perspective is looking up directly eye to eye with Jesus. Jesus having fallen, unable to pick himself up, certainly unable to carry the cross anymore, he would look at Simon and Simon would look into that face, beaten so badly that it was unrecognizable in human form. A crown of thorns pushed down on his head. The lack of strength and the agony, clearly evident. Jesus' back torn open. And the last thing Simon would want to do is interfere with this man, to have anything to do with the crime, the, the, the physical crime that was taking place. Remember, it was only days before they were shouting, Hosanna. And Simon would be so conflicted, not knowing what to do, but then in a moment, in an instant. And we don't know how it happened, but in an instant, he would look into those eyes. And Jesus would give him a look. And says, it's okay. I, it's not on you. It's okay. You, you can carry the cross. Simon wouldn't know that earlier in his ministry, Jesus had said, to be my disciple, you must deny yourself and pick up your cross daily. And Simon was the one who literally, physically carried the cross of Jesus. He would pick up that crossbar and he would carry it with his heart broken, with his emotions torn, all the while being Jesus in that horrible physical condition. Simon carried the cross. Just in the wrong place at the wrong time, depending on your perspective, maybe the right place at the right time. Simon was a man who saw Jesus' face in agony and lifted a hand to help. Simon, church history tells us, we also know from the book of Acts that two sons, Rufus and Alexander, men who became believers, men who were giants of our faith in the first century church, because the father, this African, taught him to carry Jesus' cross. He looked up. He didn't have to look far. He looked up. And he saw that face. And his life, the lives of his children, were changed forever. The next perspective comes from the next verse. The women who mourned and wailed for him. And they were following him. Now that's a very good perspective. Sometimes it's hard for us to see. You know, we're, we're walking behind Jesus. We're following him. We've given our hearts to him. But, but all we can see is from behind. At the end of this study, because of fear, these same women are going to be following him still, but at a distance. Our challenge, as we contemplate an empty tomb on Sunday, is to follow him 
but not from a distance, as close as we possibly can. These women, their heart was broken. These women were wailing for Jesus, and Jesus turned around and expressed his care and concern for them. One of the things that will always happen when you're following Jesus is you'll know he cares for you. When you're following him, when you're close, you won't have those moments where you think, don't you love me, where are you? You'll always know where he is. As long as you're following him. As long as you can see him. That's why those pieces of paper are so important. The writer of Hebrews, the Apostle Paul says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Why? Because it, it keeps us from following him closely. These women who mourned, because they saw the crime that was occurring. The one they put their hopes in. The one whose ministry they'd been supporting out of their own means, according to Luke chapter 8. And now it seemed all gone in an instant. In an evil, wicked instant. And they were mourning. Our next perspective, and this to me is by far the most interesting. The two other men, both criminals. There's so much I could say about this, but think about this for a moment. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God the Son, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, was crucified between two ordinary thieves. The indignity of that is overwhelming. We know that they would spit on Jesus' face, not these thieves, but the Jews that would walk in front of the cross. You know, we have this picture of the cross as being really high and everybody looking way up, but people could walk by at that cross. It was in a hole, and they would walk by, and they'd be about face-to-face level with the Lord. And Jews would walk by one after another and spit in his face. All the while, these two common criminals watching it all, And the indignity of being hung between ordinary thieves when your God who is sinless and perfect and righteous is to me at times a little overwhelming. More on thieves in just a moment. Another perspective is the soldiers that were around him. Roman soldiers, tough, tough men. And verse 36 says they also mocked him. If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Well, they could read. There was a notice written. This is the king of the Jews. They didn't care about anything concerning God. They were just tough men following orders. And these were the men who were always present to to keep trouble from getting out of control, but also to make sure that nothing happened to this prisoner. And the best they could do is to mock him and sort of gamble for his clothes. Maybe a souvenir of the occasion. Isn't it an amazing thing how how people so close to that cross, one like Simon of Cyrene can look into Jesus' eyes and his heart moved, his life changed forever, and others like these soldiers be completely unaffected. You know, the truth is, in any group this size, there are people who, who are represented by both groups. Those who will look into the cross tonight for the very first time those who will go to an Easter service on Sunday and realize for the very first time that that empty tomb is freedom and life. And yet there are others who are nearly as close who can see exactly the same circumstance and be unmoved. In our culture, it's simple. You know, I'm a good person. I'm trying to do the best I can. And we look at Jesus suffering and we think, well, I don't understand why he had to die. He had to die because there was a veil in that temple that had to be torn. Mankind had no access to God until Jesus gave up his spirit. And when that temple was torn and the Holy of Holies was suddenly exposed, it meant we, you and me, common criminals, sinners, had access to God, to the very throne room of God, confident that we can ask what we need and the God who loves us who's demonstrated his love by sending his son will answer those prayers access granted the Roman soldiers their hearts were hard here's the really difficult part about having a hard heart the more you say no to the Lord the harder your heart becomes and the harder your heart becomes the easier it is to say no it's a vicious circle and the enemy is always right there 
If by any chance you're here tonight and your perspective as you look at the cross is that you're unmoved, that it's no big deal, you just don't get it, please guard your heart, please. Be like Simon of Cyrene, the one who was seeking God. And God made sure that Simon found him. It wasn't what he expected. It wasn't the manner in which he expected to find God. But God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. All you have to do is look at the cross and ask God to soften your heart, and he will. I want to go back to the two criminals because this is, as I said, the perspective that intrigues me the most. Two criminals, equidistant from Jesus, one on each side, we're told in the other Gospels that both hurled insults at him. But as I say to you often, there's something about watching Jesus die that changes everything. We'll talk about that as we close our study tonight. One of them could watch Jesus die. One of them could hear all seven sayings on the cross and be unmoved. One of the criminals hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself. Oh, and by the way, save us. What's in it for me? I mean, that's really the reason a lot of us are trying to seek the Lord. We want to know what he's going to do for us. And yet, on the other side of Jesus, the same distance away, hearing the same things, seeing the same agony, his heart was moved. He even tried to evangelize his friend. Have you no fear of God, he said? This righteous man has done nothing to deserve this. Look, we've... We're getting what we have coming. We deserve this. But he's done nothing wrong. More of this special Good Friday message from Pastor Ron and the Word to Stand On for Life coming up in two minutes on AM 630, The Word. back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Ever wonder why people in the same family One of them will come running to Jesus and their life is completely transformed and and another one in the same family hearing the same things forced to go to church just like the other one and and there's just nothing. It's always the condition of the heart. And like this thief who's about to be a former thief, all we have to do is look to Jesus. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Isn't this a great promise? Can you imagine all of the things that Jesus said from the cross, all of them difficult for Jesus to say. This man really had to be listening because Jesus had no strength left. And he heard these glorious words, I tell you the truth today, you will be with me in paradise. Now none of us looks forward to dying, but I really look forward to paradise with Jesus. I really look forward to that promise that steals my heart, the security I have that we have been guaranteed an eternity in heaven with God. And all because Jesus stayed the course. And he did it for common criminals. He did it for the Romans who would mock him and spit on him, the the Jews who would walk by and insult him. But he did it for these thieves. And here's one over here who's still hurling insults, and here's one over here who's asking to be remembered when he comes into his kingdom. I know who I am, he said. I deserve what I'm getting. But now I know who you are. Please understand, that's the most important thing. We've got to know who we are. We've got to be honest about who we are. We've got to be honest about our need. And then we've got to be honest both intellectually and spiritually about who he is. He is the answer. He is the only way to heaven. We're here on a Good Friday. We all know that Jesus Christ, according to Christian tradition, is the only way to heaven. And sometimes we think, well, how do I know for sure? I mean, what about all those other good people who are sincere in their religions and follow other gods? Well, the way we know is because Sunday's coming. 
And where they put his body will be empty, occupied only by an angel. Why are you looking for the living among the dead, he will say. Two thieves, same perspective, completely different results. It's interesting to me also that at this point, for three hours, the world was enveloped in total darkness. In total darkness. It's as though the father was turning his back on his son. You see, that's another perspective that we have to consider here. The father was looking at the cross. He was watching his son become sin. He who knew no sin became sin. That we might become the righteousness of God, Second Corinthians 5.21 declares. And the father who for the first time ever couldn't have fellowship with his son literally turned his back and the world was plunged into darkness. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And because of your sin and mine, that light was being snuffed out. It's Friday and Sunday's coming, so the light's about to go back on. But that's a perspective we need to consider. We often don't think of the Father in heaven viewing the cross from his perspective. He couldn't look. He couldn't look. I like the perspective of the centurion in verse 47. Now, everybody knows, maybe I shouldn't say that, everybody my age knows that this centurion is John Wayne. <laughs> we know it because he said so dramatically, surely this was the son of God. <laughs> this was a tough man. This was a man who had overseen literally hundreds, if not thousands, of crucifixions and had never been moved by one of them. Never once did anything out of the ordinary happen. But he heard these things. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In a moment, you'll hear, into thy hands I commit my spirit. He gave up his life. He hears him quoting scripture, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He sees the way Jesus looks at a thief who everybody would be glad would, would be dead soon. And he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And he knew beyond any doubt that there was something different about this crucifixion because there was something different about this man. I challenge you to be honest, at least as honest as a centurion, and evaluate what you see when you look at Jesus. When you look at the cross, why would he do it if he didn't love you? Now, it doesn't matter if you can figure out why he can love you. When David closed, he prayed, Lord, why, I, I'm amazed. I don't know why you chose me. I don't know why you chose any of us. I wouldn't have chosen any of you if I was him. But he proved once and for all he loved you. If you ever doubt that, if you ever doubt that this is the truth, the only truth, all you have to do is look at the cross punctuated by an empty tomb on Sunday and hold on to that for the rest of your life. Be honest enough to look at that and say, one thing I know, once I was blind, but he's alive. And now I know, now I see spiritual things. This centurion, as hardened a man as you could possibly imagine, was moved this man was different. This is a righteous man. Surely this man was the son of God. In the 49th verse, we go back to the women who had followed him, standing at a distance watching all of these things. An unbelievable thing to consider how broken their hearts must have been. We know Jesus' mother was there. We know Mary Magdalene was there. We know that there were a bunch of other Marys there. There were a lot of women who left everything to follow him. I imagine that Mary Bethany was there. And Martha. 
whose Lazarus had been raised from the dead only days before. These women had had Jesus and his disciples in their homes. They hung on every word. Some of them washed his feet. Others anointed his feet with perfume, Mary of Bethany. Others, lives had been spared because Jesus said, in one case, woman, where are your accusers? He said, I don't know. He said, well, neither do I accuse you. Now go and sin no more. And now they were watching it all being stripped from them. How terrified they must have been. One of the reasons that Sunday is so important is because we get a chance, especially what I'm going to do Sunday, is we're going to follow Jesus from the tomb to deal with all these people. To see the difference an empty tomb makes in their lives because it makes that same difference in your lives. These ladies had lost all hope. Their hearts were broken. Their hopes completely dashed. If they'd walked into this building and started nailing those, their burdens on that cross, we wouldn't have had enough paper nor enough cross. And only if I could tell them, and this is just the pastor's heart, if only I could tell them, that Sunday's coming, it's going to be okay. For any of you, male or female, who are here and you just think, I'm overwhelmed, I can't go on anymore. Whatever you put on those pieces of paper, Sunday can fix it if you'll let it. Now we know what they didn't know. We know Sunday's already happened. What that means is you can get fixed as we close in just a little while and we give you the opportunity to come up in prayer and be prayed for. This is an opportunity for you to leave your burdens here once and for all. To know that others are praying for you and with you. It's an opportunity to look at the cross from wherever you are, no matter how low or how high, no matter how difficult your life is or the circumstances may be, this is an opportunity to leave here with Jesus carrying your burdens. And the only reason he can carry your burdens is because he's not dead. He's alive. They stood at a distance watching these things. It gives you the opportunity this cross does to bind with an empty tomb to close the gap and make sure you're not watching from a distance anymore. There were some others who watched Jesus died and it changed everything. We've been talking about a couple of them in our John studies on Sunday. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Secret disciples, afraid of everything, afraid to lose everything that they had. And yet they watched him die, just as surely as the centurion watched him die, as surely as the thieves watched him die. Joseph and Nicodemus watched him die and they couldn't stay secret disciples any longer. Joseph would go to Pilate and ask for Jesus' body. Nicodemus would bring a fortune worth of spices, 75 pounds, to make sure that the body of the one he believed, though even secretly, didn't stink. He loved him that much. And watching Jesus die gave them a boldness, gave them courage. I dare say gave them faith. Faith to believe. But there was another one who was standing there that day. Like the soldiers, you know, we've got contrast in these people. The, the, the soldiers who mocked and then the, the head soldier, the Roman centurion, whose heart was moved and changed. Well, Nicodemus' heart was changed. Joseph's heart was changed. But there was another young Pharisee of Pharisees standing at that cross that day. His name was Saul of Tarsus. And from his perspective, he looked at the cross and there was nothing he could do except seethe in anger. Rage would begin to build up and he was zealously protecting what he believed to be true about God. This was a man, and we all know the story. He, he wouldn't change until Jesus apprehended him. Years down the road, 
as he traveled to Damascus to arrest and imprison Christians because he thought he was doing God's work. But Saul of Tarsus, this Pharisee of Pharisees, this young, zealous man, was moved. Nobody could tell he was moved. But when he heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, the way he responded to that was with anger. That's not the way a man responds. And he just got angrier. But he also heard Jesus say something else on the cross. Something that I think, with all my heart, Saul of Tarsus got, and nobody else did. Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani. The Jews who were around the cross heard him say, well, he's calling for Elijah. Let's see if Elijah will come. They didn't hear what he said, but Saul of Tarsus did. He was quoting the 22nd Psalm, a psalm that every Jew recognized as messianic. And Saul of Tarsus would know that that was God talking to him. Jesus himself on that cross saying, I am the one that you're looking for. And now I'm standing before you on this cross. He would look at that cross and his heart would go cold. And I know I've used the word over and over and over, but it's important because a lot of us, we get angry. Saul was angry. It wouldn't be too long, less than a couple of years. And Saul would give approval for another young man to be stoned to death. You know, the thumbs up or the thumbs down, Saul was the one that they looked to and he said thumbs up and they stoned Stephen to death. And the reason he gave the thumbs up was simple. He heard Stephen as he looked into the sky and saw the heavens open and the Son of God standing at the right hand of the throne in majesty, standing to receive him to heaven. And he heard Stephen say these words, Father, lay not this charge to their account. And at that moment, Saul wanted to go <laughs> because Jesus' words would come flooding back. Now, how do we know all this? Well, it's simple. On the road to Damascus, when Saul was apprehended, Jesus called him by name. It was very personal. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me. Remember his response? One of the great responses ever. Who are you, Lord? Have you ever asked your child, you caught him red-handed, did you do this? And they have to stop and think about the answer. When Jesus said, why do you persecute me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? The one thing that was going through Saul's mind at that moment was, please don't be Jesus of Nazareth. Please don't be Jesus. Please don't be Jesus. But he knew. He knew it was Jesus. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And he was struck from the light with blindness. Go into Damascus and I will tell you what you must do next. What do you want, Lord? You see, the cross, whatever perspective you're looking, whatever side you're on, the one thing that the cross should make us do is say, what do you want, Lord? That's why Jesus died. Because of this glorious life he's promised. Because though it doesn't look much like a king as he lay there dying and suffering, he still was a king. I would challenge you tonight as we close to get really, really close like Simon did. Be willing to 
overcome your gag reflex. Can you imagine what it must have been like when Simon looked into that face? Simon must have thought, I want no part of this. But Jesus just looked at him. Tonight, Jesus will look at you. If you give him the opportunity, Jesus will look at you. And he'll let you know, it's okay, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Be like the women that followed him all the way. You know, they didn't quit when things got hard. They followed him to begin the procession, and they were still following with the end. These ladies would be the last to leave the side of the cross that night. And we'll find out on Sunday they would be the first ones to be at the tomb on Sunday morning. Why? Because they were following him. You can be like the soldiers. Just didn't want anything to do with all this Jesus stuff. Ah, this is a Jewish thing. It doesn't bother me. You know, this, this, I'll be glad when he dies. And they insulted. They made sport of Jesus. Or maybe we could be honest like the criminals. Both of them were honest. At least one of them was honest enough to say to the Lord, I don't want anything to do with you. You know, if, if I were you and I had the power that you say you have, I'd get us out of here. But the other one, with exactly the same opportunity, saw who Jesus was and for the first time was able to clearly see who he was and repent and be promised paradise that very day. Or maybe you could be a centurion. Somebody whose eyes and whose heart has always been blinded to the things of God. But one honest to God look at the cross, one look into the empty tomb, and you have to honestly deal with what you know is true in your heart. Surely this was. We can say surely this is the Son of God. Who is God the Son? I wonder how many times the centurion remember it's storming. It's dark. It's evil. It appears that evil has won the hour. I wonder how many times he thought, Ah, we're in trouble now. When he hears the news of the empty tomb on Sunday, this Roman centurion is a convert for life. What about you? What do you see when you look at the cross from your perspective? Maybe you're here and you're pretty comfortable, pretty successful. You think everything's fine. You've got a beautiful family and everything's going well. Maybe you're on the other end of that and nothing is going well. You're not successful and you're, you're not making it. and you, you don't have people that you really care about who care about you. Maybe you weren't blessed to be born into a home with a loving father and a loving mother. And Jesus, if you look at the cross, will say to you, I've come for you as a mother hen comes for her chicks. Just, just, just come, let me cover you, let me protect you. The only question is, what do you see when you look at the cross? What do you see what do you think when somebody like me says an empty tomb proves beyond any doubt that Jesus is exactly who he said he was? And I guess the most important question is what's your response to all of it going to be? They killed God on the day we call Good Friday. But he's not going to stay dead. His Sunday's coming. Let the Lord remove your burdens. Whatever your perspective is, let him change it and set you free. I hope you enjoyed the message that you just heard. I hope it made you think about some really serious things. One of the problems that we have 
in our day-to-day walk is the monotony of life, the routines that we let ourselves fall into, and we forget about these wonderful things that God has done. Just last night, I did a message from 2 Samuel chapter 7. And throughout that message, David was saying things like, Lord, who am I that you would bless me so? In one particular verse, he said, Is this your usual way of dealing with mankind, with humans? Well, the way that God deals with us today is by demonstrating his love. Remember seriously what Jesus did for you on the cross. Approach your Good Friday services. Approach your Easter morning services with the hope that only an empty tomb can promise. And offer your body to Jesus as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Paul says that's a reasonable service. That's the the least we can do for what he's done for us. And never forget that because Jesus is alive. They killed him, but he didn't stay dead. Because Jesus is alive, so too will you live. If perhaps you're in this audience and you're not born again, I invite you to look at the empty tomb. One quick reminder, we have two services this Sunday morning at Judson High School Performing Arts Center. We've got plenty of room there, so you can invite family members and friends. We want people to get saved. We want to share this wonderful truth about our Jesus with the people that are there. Let me close our time together today by simply saying thank you so much. Paul and I appreciate so much you tuning in to this radio program. We are so blessed by the opportunity that God has given us to share answers to your Bible questions, but not just answers. We share our hearts with you as well. That's what Jesus has done for us. It's what we want him to be able to do for you. Let this Resurrection Sunday be a moment where everything changes in your life. Let this Resurrection Sunday be that time finally where you abandon yourself, you abandon your hopes and your dreams to Jesus. I promise you, you will never be sorry. You've been listening to the Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Lord willing, I'll be back with you on the air on AM 630, The Word, on Monday at 4 o'clock. Until then, have a wonderful holiday weekend, resting and trusting in Jesus. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.